0: Thank you so much for doing that. And surely as you think through an issue like money, there are upsides to it, there are downsides to it. So what are some upsides about money? It's freedom, yeah. It gives you freedom. Uh, It gives you power, okay? So how how many of you have ever had this experience? You walk up to a counter, you walk up to a cafe, you walk up to a restaurant, and uh, people serve you because they like you. The only reason the waiter welcomes you and serves you is they, they presume you have money. If you ever tell them, i got no money, you'll be shown the door. So money is power. And the power gives you freedom to choose in life. So there are upsides to money. But there are also downsides to money that we're going to listen to, both the upsides and downsides of money. So it's straight talk about the different major areas of life. And this was Jesus 2,000 years ago, when God sent him to the world to to speak about a different world. So let's read this together. I'll, I'll read the main verses for us. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." So this passage that we're going to look at, which is actually the sayings of Jesus, has three parts to it. And the first one, he's actually speaking about two kinds of treasures. So two treasures. So we're going to unpack what he means by each of these things. So two treasures, two eyes literally, and at the end of it, two masters. So what does he mean by this? Treasures. Treasures is what we value most. He says, I didn't need you, Chris, to tell me what treasures are. It's what you value most. But importantly, if you and I value something or something in life, what do you do with it? If you value something, what do you do with it? Well, if you've ever seen a dog, I'm a dog lover, and you give a dog a treat or a bone, right? A chewable, a bone. What do you think the dog is going to do with the bone? It's going to chew and whatever it can't eat, it will hide it. It will dig. When you see a child with a favourite toy, what does the child do with a favourite toy? He or she likes to play with the favourite toy. If anybody tries to play with the toy, the child might throw a tantrum. So you're getting the message. Did you read this one? I think it was on CNN. I just got it about uh, this lady, and her name was Jenna. Right? She was engaged to be married, and then she had a dream. And in that dream, she and her fiancé were running away from some bad guys. Okay. As they were running away from some bad guys in a life-threatening, dangerous situation, she, in that dream, her fiancé or boyfriend said to her, um, she, she got an engagement ring. Swallow your ring. Swallow your ring. They're after your ring. <laughs> and so, you can almost guess the story. She woke up. She looked at her finger. And her engagement ring was gone. She swallowed it. She not just dreamt it, but she swallowed it in her dream. You, you follow? So, just Google the story. It's there. Right? It's a live story. right? Thousands of people have, have watched it. And so, she had to go to get a scope <laughs> to get it out. And thankfully, the diamond engagement ring is still there, right? So, um, moral of the story is, the guys here, you don't have to give a ring to your (laughs) fiancés. Just in case they have a bad dream and they swallow it. So save yourself a scope, save yourself from a life threatening situation. So that could be a quirky thing that happens, but is what, was it an instinctive thing that you, you and me treasure? Uh, whatever we treasure, we will store up with the greatest care. We will guard it with the greatest care. So whether you're talking about a dog with a bone, a child with a toy, or an engaged person with an engagement ring, we tend to protect with the greatest effort what is precious to us. Jesus said, do not store up treasures on earth. His point is treasures on earth. And if you were the original audience and now the present-day audience listening to this, you might ask yourself, why not? Whatever you tell me to do, can you give me a reason for why I should do this and why I shouldn't do this? What's so wrong about this? What's so religiously wrong about this? What's so morally wrong about this? What's so wrong, full stop, spirit. And so he goes on. Treasures, he says, not only decay, where moth and vermin can come and attack it, but treasures can also be stolen, right? And so Jesus's point is a very simple one. Why store up things that ultimately will be lost? Why do you keep storing up things that ultimately may be destroyed or may be stolen from you and me? Then He goes on. What He's not teaching is very important as a way of thinking, as a paradigm, as a thinking cap for your own life, right? Always to work out whether you're working, whether you're relating at home, in marriage, in relationships. What does it not mean? What does this mean? When you sort out what it doesn't mean, you get clearer about what it does mean. Jesus is not teaching us that the way to live in this world is asceticism. And if that's an English word you haven't met up to now, is the more you deny yourself, the more somehow you please. If there's a God out there, the more you please God. So in some religious beliefs, in some philosoph- philosophical beliefs, the less you have, the more somebody else is pleased. And there is a simplicity movement, right? Is it Marie Corn or Con Marie or Corning Marie or Marie Corninglass? Or there's good stuff in there because I I, I I'm a neat freak, right? And uh, what she advocates, I already practiced it a long time ago, but through the years, we just started doing different things that lost our bearings. So the less we have, the more we please. We please who? Not too sure. But the gods out there, the spirits out there, or we please our own selves, or please our own souls. Asceticism, through time, has been a very powerful philosophical religious belief. Right? There's goodness in it, but that's not Jesus' point. His point is rather, he's not against the necessity of things in this world. You and me do need things in this world. You'll be out of whack, unreal, if you wake up and say the way to get on in life is to have nothing, right? That's not the way to, to live. It's totally unreal. He's not talking about the durability of things. So any material engineers here, I never knew there was... Uh, a, a study, a faculty of study called Material Science. And um, 20 years ago, I met this guy who came back from Oxford. I said, what do you study? Material Science. I said, what's that? Oh, it's studying materials. Oh, sorry, you should have laughed, but never mind. <laughs> Material Science studies materials. I said, what's, what's there to study about materials? And actually, he says, uh, without boasting too much, everything that you do from the plates, everything, there's a science behind it. You build a house, you want to know how long this is going to last, right? And some people will say there are some materials that will go on and on and on, like Celine Dion's song in the Titanic. Jesus is not against the necessity or durability of things, but against the futility of life based on things. The futility of life based on materialism. The futility of life based on stuff. And if you and me live our life this way, for want of a better word, if you base your identity and security on stuff, you'll be stuffed up. And just think about it, right? When were you happiest? When you had more or you had less? And some of you said more or enough. Um, Were you happy as a student? Some of us were. But the more things you and me collect, right, it doesn't seem that the equation, the rate of return of the rate of return of buying and hoarding is lower and lower. If you build your life on stuff, you'll really be messed up in your values. And so why store up things which are not usable? So we say no to materialism as a lifestyle. We so say no to greed as a life goal. Now watch that carefully. You say no to materialism as a lifestyle because um, the, what, what series is it now? iPhone, is it 11? Yeah. It's iPhone 11 and it's just going to keep coming. We call this built-in obsolescence. And most times, you and me are only as happy as your last accumulation, your last acquisition. So did you notice that in between the launch of a gadget, especially now your phones or your or computers, you usually hit depression? then when they launch a new product you are temporarily lifted you have become a series of accumulations you have become a series of acquisitions that your identity and your happiness is bobs up and down by what you are able to acquire and that's a futile lifestyle because after a while you know that's not the stuff of your life it shouldn't be like that okay so we say yes to what are the treasures in heaven. So what does he mean by heaven? And now we've got to listen to, so uh, <laughs> um, not too long ago, I think it was outside Tanks or Merritt Hotel, where they had an ice cream, and the ice cream called, was called what? Heaven's place or something. Having an ice cream on a hot day, on a hot, hazy day, feels like heaven. If I gave you 30 seconds to talk about what feels like heaven, you would have a you would have a whole different array of things. By God's grace, uh, I went to preach in Malaysia and then we took a short break and at the short break, there was a hot spring. right? And as I dip into that hot spring and my wife dipped into the hot spring, she said, this feels like heaven. So all of us have subjective meanings of heaven. But what is Jesus' objective meaning about heaven? This was his objective meaning about heaven. It's a short form for this reality called the Kingdom of God, and the Kingdom of God is basically where God, our Creator, and He created every single person among the 120, 130 of us seated here. He created everyone. You didn't spring into life because something, um, molecules collided, some atoms collided and said, let's give life to you. You came about because God put atoms, molecules, put cells and cells became organs and organs got knitted together and you, got, you became a body and that body became a person with a personality. right? So the kingdom of heaven is basically when we live life under God according to His word and His will. But ever since Adam and Eve turned away from God, we now live life outside the garden of Eden And we have glimpses of heaven, but a lot of life outside God's presence and outside God's purpose is a bit hellish. And what's a hellish life? A hellish life is when (laughs) between two people, let's begin with marriage, um, you're supposed to love each other, but it fell apart and you didn't know you could have so much venom against someone that you were head over heels in love with when you were courting. I use this as a working definition. How did two people so in love in dating and courtship be such enemies in in marriage and in family? And so much so, when it falls apart, you tell your children, don't listen to daddy. You tell your children, don't listen to mommy. She's gone off the rails. What happened there? When life is lived in that zone, it becomes hellish. That's not the way God designed you and wired you to live. So the kingdom of heaven is the rightful rule of God over you. And Jesus came 2,000 years ago and put all of us on notice. You know what's on notice? You're going to lose your jobs. No. The, the notice is the haze is going to hit uh, 400. The notice is you have no more right and I have no more right to live my way because when the kingdom of heaven breaks in through Jesus, your, your kingdom collapses. That means you wanting to live your life your own way Whatever you want to think, you think. Whatever you want to say, you say. Whatever you want to do, you do. That life is now being put on notice because God has sent Jesus into the world to say, enough of living in hell. I now invite you to live God's way. I invite you to live in heaven under Him. So, He's actually saying, anything we store up on earth is is not going to be usable and useless in heaven. So, have you ever carried in your wallet, unusable currency. Have you ever? It's called totally futile. You land in a place that I got sing dollars. Uh, don't accept. <laughs> so me, I've told you this story. My dad and mom lived through World War II. World War II, the Japanese conquered us. Before the Japanese conquered us, the currency was the pound. The Japanese conquered us, the pound became useless, zero value. It was the Japanese yen. right? Three and a half years later, they bombed Hiroshima, Nagasaki. The British came back again and it was, the yen was totally useless. My father ran a provision shop and everybody who owed him things paid him in yen, knowing that the war was coming to an end. So his description of his last days before the war came to, as the war came to an end was, you had stacks and stacks and barrels of yen in the house, totally useless when the British forces marched in again. Whenever there's a change of regime, and the world is always changing regimes, right now there's a huge tension with this uh, US-China trade war, but you fast-forward 50 years from now, who do you think might rule the world? Don't answer. I have no idea. I won't be here. But better prepare your children bilingually. Keep learning Mandarin. (laughs) Just in case, (laughs) just in case. And so our country got on the right track. Whenever there's a change of regime, one becomes in fashion, the other goes out of fashion. The world is under universal change regime. And the things of this passing world will not be of use when you meet God, no matter how useful we think they are. You will arrive there with your sacks and bags of currency with your credit cards, and if there's a gates, not a pearly gates, in the Bible there's no such thing called pearly gates, but let's say there are, they'll be asking you if angels got those gates, why do you bring this? This one, no pakai here. It's totally unusable. You know why? We don't need any of this stuff. Your furniture, whether Ikea or Italian, doesn't work. It's totally unusable. Leave it at the pearly gates. And so that's what Jesus is saying, is the futility of this. And so, oops, what happened here? Move, move on to the eye. So that's the lesson about treasures. You've got to sort out whether you're preparing yourself treasures on earth or treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven is what's going to be important to God, right? And remind me as I come to an end to tell you what's important to God in the kingdom of heaven. Can you please remind me? Yep. At least one volunteer to remind me. Then he moves on to the lesson of the eye. The eye is the lamb of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Can you read verse 23 for me? Okay, so now what's he saying about the eye? What is it you know about the eye? And uh, I think whatever we do not know or cannot agree about the eye, the eye is the entry point to your body. Would that be right? There are no more entry points. See, it's our entry point because every part of your body is covered with skin. And skin protects you from light that will harm your cells and your organs. But the only part in which your skin is lifted all the time are your eyes. Ever thought about that? You turn to your neighbour and show them your beautiful eyelids. (laughs) That God designed you this way. That the whole of your body has to be wrapped with skin or else the UV out there is going to kill you. And this is the only entry point, right? So the eye, but spiritually, his meaning is this. It's the entry point, but not so much about UV and physical harm. Our visual obsession will soon become our heart's obsession, which means you become what you look at. You become what you look at. You want to take that note somewhere? You don't become simply what you eat. You don't become, I think, therefore, I am. In Jesus' spin around here, I see, therefore I am. And you look hard enough at something and you want it more than God, more than you want God and His way of living, more than you want God and His values for living. If you want something or someone more than God, your visual obsession will become your heart's obsession. That's it. So, is that you? Is that me? Is that all of us? Honest answer, yes. Yes and so there's a saying when we go for our family dinners right? we, we, oh no, we, if we are late for that dinner on a Sunday which our family outing and I may have meetings because Sunday is the only day pastors work okay? so I pretend to work really hard on a Sunday and don't work for the rest of the week right? and then my family is waiting for me we get so hungry we arrive there and we, what, do you, what, do you, what do you tend to do when you are hungry? the saying is your eyes are bigger than your stomach you tend to order more Right? So when you walk down a supermarket aisle, when do you buy more? When do you buy less? You know, when you walk down a supermarket aisle and do your marketing or do your grocery shopping, you tend to buy more when you're hungry. Do you realise that or not? Are you awake? <laughs> <laughs> there are many deep truths in there. You become what you see. Right? So your eyes are bigger than your stomach. So Jesus is speaking about spiritual delusion. If you call your diseased eyes, you are looking at the wrong stuff. And you are now being misled by your eyes. And you keep, you and I keep denying that I am not looking at the wrong stuff. I don't suffer spiritual delusion. Your, your life, your body is going to head it in the wrong direction. And you can't call diseased eyes healthy eyes. So let me just give you the physical illustration of this. How many of you know that your eyes are really healthy? When was the last time you did an eye check? So I've got a very good friend, a few good friends who are eye surgeons and eye experts. You know, the most frightening thing you could suffer for your eyes? A few things. Retinal detachment. And my friend who's a retinal detachment expert says, it comes within a, within a few hours, bang, you could go blind. Because it's detached. You it can't get back. You lose your blind, you lose your eyesight. That's to scare the daylight out of you, right? For all that time, so how many of you look after your eyes every day? You don't. You you think that the moment you open, your eyes should work law. Did your eyes promise you it should work law? (laughs) Or you presume it should work law? (laughs) Then you use this thing, you use these two things for 18 hours a day without lubricating it, without caring for it it will lead you in that same way. If you don't watch your eyes spiritually, your heart, your treasures, your heart, is going to lead your body and your whole personhood in the wrong direction with fatal destiny. Right? So in eye check-up, what are, you allowing, what are we allowing our eyes to look upon each day? Right? So the beauty of being a pastor is that you meet people from all walks of life, And in our church, we have got people coming from a drug background, a convict background, rehab, etc., to scholars, to high flyers in civil service, and high flyers in in a private sector, etc. And so outside of church, by God's grace, we also meet a whole spectrum of people. And I've got this good friend who's who's well-to-do, and he can afford cars, and he loves cars, but he can't stop the obsession with cars. So I said, what feeds your obsession with cars? Um, before the internet he just said to me what feeds my obsession with cars is car magazines so what do you think was my counsel to him he says, what feeds his obsession with cars is car magazines so what's my wonderful million dollar counsel to him stop looking at a car magazine lah. it's so easy to be a pastor you know I, I tell you it's, it's common knowledge but people get paid for it right? it's common sense so keep doing that of course it's so common knowledge he knows that but what's his problem? He can't stop looking at the car magazine. And now you put it on, the. In, you fast forward to the new technology, you can't stop looking at the stuff here on the phone. So your visual obsession will soon become your heart obsession, obsession will soon become your life's distraction, will soon become your life's destruction. There is a pathway between... Sp- visual obsession to heart obsession to distraction to destruction. And Jesus is warning, it's a downward slope. It's a very slippery slope, right? So what on earth is it that you're looking at? If you're staring at something two hours a day, three hours a day, please do not second guess why you're obsessed with that person or that thing. And let me just personalise it. You could be looking at a man and woman who is not rightly your man or woman you can't go down that path. You could be looking at something that is bigger now, a thing that is now bigger than your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, a thing bigger than your mother and father that you have to look after and put some money aside as they age and they are burdensome. You now can't go for that wonderful holiday. You can't pursue your passions. Be very careful. Your visual obsessions will become your heart obsessions, will become your life distraction, will become your life destruction, where you no longer. Know what the values are. Then a lesson from slavery. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. This is not about you thinking about which job to join. It's not about that. Okay. So, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God, in some versions, mammon, God and money. So to really understand this, you have to balik balik um, and then fast forward. 2,000 years ago, slavery was very much part of the economy. Now, let's look at today. Today, if you take away domestic helpers in Singapore, how many domestic helpers do you think we have in Singapore? Can you Google this after this? There are a few hundred thousand of us. And if you ever walk into a hospital, how many nurses are Singaporean nurses? So, to be honest, out of 10 nurses or medical professionals, besides the doctor, if you can find two or three Singaporeans, you are in a very unusual hospital. Because the average hospital has six, seven Filipinas, Mianmis, people from elsewhere. Now, you've just draw the parallel. If you took away slaves from the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, it would have collapsed. You take away foreign labour from many countries today, beginning with ours, we will tank. We will stagnate. Right? Whatever a slave 2,000 years ago didn't know, A slave means you are on call to your physical master 24-7. Just get that as a working definition. A slave, you are at the back and call of your Roman master, your early master, 24-7. Whatever he wants you to do, you are available to him because you are living in his household, you are eating his food, you are looking after his his possessions and his people. Every slave in the Roman Empire would know this. It's an oxymoron that a slave can serve two masters because you don't have 48, 14. Did I get it right? You only have 24 hours, seven days a week. You don't have 48, 14. So that's what the point, that's the point that Jesus is making. Notice he's a master observer of life. You think and I think that we could have one foot here in this kingdom and one foot in that kingdom. Um, then, you know, it's like one foot on land and one foot on a boat. Have you ever seen a man or woman do that? One foot on land, one foot on boat permanently. We call that a split. And the split is very uncomfortable. So it's not the inconsistency or incompatibility of God and money. He's not speaking about that. The moment you believe in God, believe in his kingdom, you've got to really go um, become ascetic. That's not his point, I told you, Right? It's not the inconsistency or the incompatibility of God and money it's the impossibility of serving two masters only one can be the lord of your life only one can be the god of your life only one can dictate and make you make decisions and take actions and it cannot be money is the foundation of your decisions and actions. If money is the foundation and money is your goal, you become money-eyed and money-minded. You are on the slippery road, and I'm on the slippery road of destruction. That's the point he's making. Right? So, two treasures, two eyes, and two masters. Quite simple. And actually, lots of what God tells us, one of, lots of what Jesus tells us is quite simple. So, Jesus' straight talk is, our problem is not, I'm half-hearted towards God. He's working at the prior problem, a pre-existing illness, right? And our pre-existing illness is we are full-heartedly committed to self and we are full-heartedly committed to self by being full-heartedly committed to money. Because money, 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 according to Abba, money makes the whole world go round. And somewhere along the line, we buy into that half-truth. It's a half-truth. We bind into the half-true, and we then make it the whole truth. And if you base your life on money, it's the beginning of the end. So it's full-hearted commitment to self expressed in full-hearted commitment to money, which is the thing that needs to be dealt with. So have you not met a relative? So you heard of this person, right? Mr Scrooge, and movies are made on Mr Scrooge, especially during Christmas, right? Say, my uncle uh, is the modern-day Mr. Mr. Scrooge. Or you read Shakespeare, this is Shylock. Shylock. If he could, he will ask for your whole body. Sometimes in life, uncle, auntie, friends uh, say, the uncle, really Shylock one. Everything is just money. Everything is just money-based. When you meet a person who is money-eyed and money-hearted, and everything is decided on the basis of how much this would cost, right, that is the only controlling factor of decisions and actions, is not a factor, it is the factor, life again becomes a bit hellish. Everything is dictated by money. right? So, Jesus' straight talk, the presence of belief in God is not the absence of material things. He doesn't mean that. That I have faith in God means I must have less and less. I've laboured this. It's very important that we don't reach the wrong conclusions about this. What he does mean is, not the absence, when our life degenerates into a series of, hey, where am I? King. When our life degenerates into a series of accumulations, I said that to you, you've got to watch your treasures. If your life is only as meaningful and pleasurable and you have a reason to live because you're going to buy another thing, then your treasure is a thing. And you've got to audit yourself and ask, "I'm living for things. Things should serve us. Money is a good servant, It's a terrible master. Right? Money should never be our master. So is that you? Is that me? Your life now is a series of accumulations. Okay, back to my parents. They would look at all 12 kids, I'm the youngest of 12. Right? Because in the early days, when they were having starting family, there was no uh, birth control. So I'm number 12, never mind, you didn't laugh uh, And my mum would say to all my sisters, you're all so blessed You've got birth control right?" For me, whenever dad and mum love each other, bang, bang, bang Baby, baby, baby right? So how does a couple, and my dad went to a financial downhill once Feed 12 kids So. I'll tell you that story at a different time, write a book about it, etc. When they came, when they... then mom, We're all grown up now, and my eldest siblings and all, when then mom used to come to their houses and say, you know, you, you guys, huh, you work, 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 you buy, 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 you hot, hot, hot in your storeroom. Your storeroom is the biggest room in your whole house, you know. Then you throw, throw, throw. You know, we came from China, we didn't have enough to eat, that's why we came from China. We would never do that. You do not buy, buy, bye-bye-bye, hot-hot-hot and throw-throw-throw. Work-work-work, hot-hot-hot, throw-throw-throw. This whole lifestyle cannot carry on. The Prime Minister just told that climate change is going to kill us. And we are now a series of accumulations, just that. It's very important we step back and think, is this the stuff of life? If I live it by this way, we are finished. Watch your eyes. You become what we look at. Visual obsession becomes heart obsession. So honestly now, as you step in here, I don't know who brought you here, or you just had nothing to do today at your workplace, and you're using your time very wisely. Right? Whatever brought you here, I, I want to say to you, you didn't come by chance, you didn't come randomly, you didn't, didn't come coincidentally, you came by God's design. Right? And if you so happen to be in that dangerous place, where your eyes are staring at something or someone that is not healthy for you, you've got to look away. You've got to stop looking at the magazine or the site or that person because or else is the beginning of the end for you. And that is out of God's kindness and goodness to you. And last but not least, watch your slavery. And today, we are the generation that knows the price of everything. You know. Number one question Singaporeans ask ourselves is, two questions, hey, where you buy ah? Huh? <laughs> hey, how much you buy ah? Huh? <laughs> you know a Caucasian seldom ask you that? He might ask you or she might ask you, where did you buy this? They will seldom ask you how much you buy. Hey, in Singapore, they hear, you bought the BTO, how much huh? <laughs> You almost, mind <my> your business lah. <laughs> la. <laughs> you go on Google law. Oh, go do the URA search or LTA search. You find it lah. Right? The caveats there will tell you roughly what. But they just—it's so Asian, it's so Chinese maybe. Huh? Where you buy? How much you buy? So we know the price of everything. But you don't know the value of anything now. The price of the car is a hundred thousand. Then every day, why fight about the car? You fight, 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 fight. The whole family fight about. Hey, this weekend you want to use or not? I want to use or not? Last week you used right, bang 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 bang. The price of the car is hundred thousand, but the conversations in the house is becoming a little bit out of hand. You've forgotten, but the more serious one is not a week passes in Singapore courts, where a Singaporean is not suing a father, mother, brother, sister, sibling, cousin, for an inheritance. The price of the HDB flat is six hundred thousand. The price of the condo is one point two. The price of a terrace house is 2.5. The price of the bungalow is, I don't know. But what's the value of a relationship with your brother? My brother? Is he my brother? He doesn't behave like my brother. It's all gone south. You know the price of everything, the value of nothing. Is that you? Right. So, our church... at the Road Presbyterian Church, we have been so blessed to have so many couples come, fall in love, get married. So every year we average about 30 to 40 weddings. So we just had one last week, right? And a consistent pattern in all weddings is when the bride and groom give their speeches. When the bride and groom give their speeches, either at the church ceremony or the wedding dinner, guess What happens? When the bride and groom give their thank you speeches, usually to their parents, to their popos, to their grandpa, grandma, usually what happens? Sure got tears one. 110% got tears. And today with new generation men, right? Strong but sensitive. <laughs> I see a lot of guys break down. <laughs> no more the old-fashioned Chinaman or China, uh, Indian man. Uh, we don't cry in public, right? So he cried big time last week, this groom, right? How many times have I told you now? I see grooms cry, you know. When you see the bride walk in, maybe he's thinking, oh, mistake, mistake, mistake. <laughs> but no, I mean all seriousness. He's waited a long time for her. <laughs> Alright, he's waited a long time for her. Sorry, it's okay. You have to go. Yeah. And where was I? What was I saying? And usually the thank you stories is about what? Usually the thank you stories, I remember my papa, I remember my father, because he used to pick me up. He used to wait around for me. He used to teach me again and again. He never called me stupid son. I say, son, one day you'll get it. One day you'll get it. One day you'll get it. Right? And then, bang. That's value. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's the treasure. If you lose God, you're going to lose relationships. Relationships and people no longer matter to you. You lose God, you're going to devalue love. You're going to find yourself in things. You will never substitute persons in relationships, in loving relationships, because God is persons in relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we are made in this image, and the most precious thing to you is there. I pray and hope you and me don't have to wait for wedding after wedding, or worse still, funeral after funeral, to say that where did I give the last five years of my life? Where did I get the last 20 years of my life pursuing things and then forgetting to love my father, my mother, my wife, my children? What on earth happened to me? You didn't sort out your treasures. You didn't sort out your vision. You didn't sort out your master. And soon your life became not the life God intended you to live. That's the food for thought for today. And uh, that brings our time to an end. We usually end our time with Q&A because we learn a lot from questions and answers. Feel free to ask questions. I'll try to answer them as best as you can. If you do have to leave, please leave. But looking at the haze out there, I think your boss is who is not well, right? So, he, he didn't come in today. He's on MC. And, uh, so don't worry about your boss. Yeah. And just on the word, uh, i use the word worry. Next week, the final talk for our series is straight talk about worries. Because very tied into money is worries. So I highly commend you to come uh, because just for half an hour to 45 minutes, we s- sit together. I hope I've given you some nuggets to take away. And these are not nuggets from me. They are nuggets of truth from God. Not wanting your life to spiral downwards into, into nowhere and into nothing. Yeah. So some questions or comments will be helpful. You can always ask the question on behalf of your friend. Uh, I don't struggle with money. My friend really is struggling with money. And <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, that's oh yes, so I did say that. Uh, so I picked that up. What he really values about the kingdom of heaven, what he really values is love, because God is love, and we are made His image to love. But somewhere along the highway of the busyness of life, we lose love. As the premium value and virtue in life. Then we start to value other things. The moment you recalibrate your value system, not according to your DNA, you and me are on a slippery slope, right? But um, of course, I have to bring bring that in. That Satan will lie to you that recalibrating your value system according to yourself, you have every right to do it. But I want to tell you, as I head towards the last seasons of my life, as you see my greying hair, uh, don't go there. Don't give your heart to the things that do not last and are not true. Because my work as a pastor is about helping people rebuild their broken worlds. Because you idolise anything but the things of God. It's going to come out empty. So love is the, is the ultimate thing. Value. Always value people in loving Relationships. And never think that people in relationships are too costly, too inconvenient, too, etc. Yeah. So, have you heard of V.S. Naipaul? V.S. Naipaul, Nobel Prize winner. He was an author. Yeah. You look blank, but never mind. So, um, yeah, I'll I'll try to think as highly of you as possible. <laughs> V.S. Naipaul, uh, and he wrote literature that really inspired uh, people. I, and, but his marriage fell apart And they asked him about his married life, etc Asked him about whether he was going to remarry And he just basically said if I didn't get this wrong And don't misrepresent the, the article that I read years and years ago um, That he finds marriages and long-term relationships Just too much trouble He would just go around And might as well just call the call girl And satisfy himself with one-night stands, just pay for it. No need to go through all the trouble of long-term relationships. When I read that, I said, here is a man, a Nobel Prize winner in literature, one year, writes inspiring stuff, but is actually telling us through his life, don't bother with the things that are troublesome. Don't bother with the things that are inconvenient. I have a last word to leave with you, right? The most precious things in life, are a bit burdensome and inconvenient. call love, is always inconvenient. The child is inconvenient. The father is inconvenient. But if you let loose on those things, you will regret it. That much I can promise you. Right. So be careful what you read out there. Okay. And always check out people's lives. They may be Nobel Prize winners, but uh, <laughs> the personal life may not be so good. Maybe a final question before we end our time. You are the most pleasant, accommodating audience I've had in the world. Remember, uh, there was once I was preaching overseas, and after that, a, a man came up and he just disrupted the whole meet- meeting until his question uh, could be answered. And sometimes when we speak like that in the West, it gets a bit disruptive. So I, I treasure your presence here and treasure you not asking. I treasure you asking questions. I do. So we'll see you next week in terms of straight talk about worries, right? So between now and next week, please do not worry, right? Okay, thank you so much. There's food out there? Yeah, please get the food. Invite your friends to come. We usually put a talk on the podcast for you to follow and you want to share it with somebody. Always share the good stuff. Thank you again on behalf of all of us. See you next week. Straight talk about worries.